This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, an animal rights group has filed an appeal, and it has to do with a bear cub that was killed in an earlier court ruling. And joining us on the line to discuss this or explain it a bit more is Leslie Fox, executive director of the Fur Bearers. Leslie, thanks so much for being with us. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. Uh, Maybe take us back for people who aren't familiar with this story. uh, This was a case uh, that took place uh, close to Smithers, was it, and involved an orphaned bear cub? Mm, Yeah, near Dawson Creek. And what exactly happened? So in 2016, uh, it was the month of May and early May, a woman in near Dawson Creek found what she believed to uh, be an orphan bear cub. Uh, The little little cub had been uh, alone for some time and being concerned, and uh, he wasn't in a a good situation. He was near the highway. she was able to uh, capture the bear, and um, she brought him home and had him in a dog kennel out, outside, very minimal contact. She didn't feed the animal or anything um, and simply called for help. She called the conservation officer service, and essentially they determined the bear cub was not a candidate for rehab and killed the bear. What's unfortunate about this situation is um, there's sort of conflicting opinions on whether or not the bear cub was, in fact, a candidate for rehab. Uh, there was an offer of rehab as well. But before even seeing the bear, the conservation officer involved determined um, that he was going to, in fact, kill the bear. So before even seeing or properly evaluating the bear, he killed the bear. So we have a lot of concerns, um, and certainly this isn't an isolated incident. Um, all year long, animals are um, killed by the BC Conservation Officer Service. Many of those animals are in conflict with humans. Sometimes they do pose um, an imminent risk, uh, risk rather to people or property, and I think there's um, a tolerance. Certainly, I don't think the the Conservation Officer Service nor the nor the public likes to see animals destroyed. Um, you know, but I think there's a, there's a bit more of a tolerance in those situations. But our question becomes: when these animals are not a threat to public safety or property, why are they not going to rehab to be properly evaluated by a trained veterinarian or wildlife rehabber? And um, so that's sort of at the crux of the situation. And specifically, we're looking at the Wildlife Act. And, and there's a provision in the Wildlife Act that says it's Section 79. And it says that an officer may not, or sorry, may kill an animal if that animal poses a risk to people or property. And so what we're arguing is is that when an animal is outside of that scope, when, when an animal poses no threat, um, we believe under the law, um, there's certainly some questions there, and, and that's why the appeal was filed. Is we really are looking for more information as to what the limits are when it comes to the BC Conservation Service and their authority to, to kill and destroy animals. Because the, the BC Supreme Court judge ruled that conservation officers do have discretion when destroying wild animals, and so that's what you're appealing? Right. So one of the the reasons why we followed the appeal was we didn't feel that the interpretation of Section 79 of the Wildlife Act um, 
was really answered for us. We, we still have a lot of questions, and we believe that it's problematic that the Conservation Officer Service and their special provincial constables, um, you know, they're, they're peace officers under the Wildlife Act, but they also have influences over the policies that are established under the Act. So we're, we sort of have a lot of questions also related to conflict of interest. So the, the people who are enforcing the policies are also creating the policies. Um, we also know that there's a disproportionate number of people or employees within the BC Conservation Officer Service that are hunters and also trophy hunters. Um, and, and that's something that we're still getting more information on, but certainly we have some questions as to um, does that create a potential for bias? Does that contribute to an overall culture of killing? Um, and when you have hunters creating their own policies within the government, um, again, is, is there a potential for a conflict of interest? And all of this is so important, Jill, because it's about public trust. And, you know, as you know, BC, we're a province of animal lovers, and our wildlife are very important to us. And not only, I think, because of their intrinsic value, but also their economic value, um, tourism. I mean, wild animals are an essential part of this province. And I think for most people, if an animal can get a second chance, if an animal is simply malnourished or underweight, um, sick, there are wildlife rehabbers in this province who are experts in what they do. They're highly trained. They're highly educated. And we really believe that every animal should be given a second chance. Uh, I mean, even if it was the case uh, in this case or another case, if there's an orphan bear cub, if it's determined uh, that it's been perhaps with humans too long or couldn't be released, uh, do you think it would be better to keep it in captivity than euthanize it? Um, I think when it comes to bear cubs, there's a lot of, a lot of evidence in science, science to show that particularly when they're under six months of age, it's very difficult uh, to habituate them. And in this case, certainly there was no evidence to suggest that this cub was in fact habituated. Um, he, he was given no food, very minimal human contact. Um, and, and certainly he was not of an age where that would have had any lasting impression. Um, and again, there was an, an offer of rehab uh, made and, and the officer declined that offer, which is, which is really troubling. Um, and, and we believe in that situation, the cub should have gone to rehab and should have been properly evaluated. I think it's important to remember that the BC conservation officers are armed and badged officers. They're essentially cops. They're not wildlife experts. They're not veterinarians and they're not educated in properly assessing bear cubs and other wild animals. Their job is public safety and security. That's what they do. That's their primary mandate. Their mandate is to enforce environmental laws. Their mandate isn't to be, you know, running around and assessing animals and and determining their medical needs. I think, again, that that decision needs to be um, put into the hands of, of people who are experts. And I think that goes a long way to create public trust and confidence and also, don't forget, this is our taxpayer money. Taxpayers, we, we pay the salaries of these individuals, and I think everybody wants a good outcome for our animals. Uh, but are you suggesting that a conservation officer can't also be a hunter? Um, I, I don't think 
that I'm suggesting that. I have a lot of questions, and I think I think it 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 really comes down to a disproportionate number. And so I think it's fair in any agency that, of course, you want diversity, and I think that's really important. Um, but I think you start to raise some flags and have some questions when over half of your agency is comprised of people who have a personal um, interest in the recreational killing of animals. Um, and we do know that many conservation officer service uh, members are also trophy hunters. And we just went through this with the, with the grizzly bear trophy hunt. So I, I think all I'm, all I'm saying is I have some concerns and I have some questions. I don't have any hard evidence to support my claims. I simply so, have... So how, sorry, how do you know that a, a great number of them are trophy hunters? Through interactions, through our, our, our personal um, interactions. We know the chief is a, is a hunter. We know um, several of the um, senior staff and a lot of the, the field officers. I think um, that's a great question for our government. They won't release that data at this time, um, but, but we know through our, our research um, for, for many years, and this has been going on. It's not a secret that the Ministry of the Environment and Forest Lands and Natural Resources, many of them have a personal interest in um, promoting, you know, hunting and trapping and the use of animals, wildlife management <laughs> across Canada. Um, and I, I think that, though, what we what we need to have is more of a balance, and I think that's that's what we're advocating, and that I think it's important. Again, diversity is really important, but I I don't think that we should um, be hiding any of this information. I think this it's important to have these conversations and be fully transparent. And again, we're just simply raising some questions related to the potential for conflict of interest or the potential of bias, um, and and we want to just get a better understanding of our laws. And, and specifically with this case, we want to get a better understanding of what the limits are to a conservation officer's ability to kill an animal. And are there any? And it, it might be the outcome at the end of this case is, is there truly might be no limit um, to a conservation officer service um, or officer rather uh, ability to kill an animal. We we simply don't know, which is why we've we've filed this appeal. All right, uh, Leslie, we'll follow the appeal. Uh, we're out of time right now, but thank you for uh, joining us. Thank you so much, Joe. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.